eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into this edition of the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, and today I am joined by 24-7 sports analyst Carl Reed. Joining us here on the program, I'm going to talk about the Nebraska job. I'm going to talk about Nebraska recruiting with a guy who has been through the Memorial Stadium car wash with recruits before. He knows what it's like here in Lincoln. He is from the Bermuda Triangle of recruiting that it's been for Nebraska for a while in St. Louis. He might even have some answers in that regard. But most of all, we just want to talk about Nebraska football and where things sit right now. Carl, welcome to uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. Great to have you here with us at 24-7 Sports. I believe I just saw you're you're now full-time riding with yeah. us here at 24-7. Man, it's great to be here with you, man. It's great to talk Nebraska football, a storied program, looking for a new head coach. I'm excited to be here with you on your show, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's kind of just dive into this right away. I mean, you you had a long, successful career coaching uh, high school in St. Louis. I mean, you, you know, all the power players in that area, you've known a lot of the great prospects in that area. I'm sure you're very familiar with Marcus Washington on Nebraska's roster right now. Uh, one of the, the transfer guys that have helped them out a little bit here early in the year. So Nebraska is not a program, you know, for some people, Nebraska is a television program, like one that you, you know, um, kind of like the X-Files, you know, it from the nineties and, and maybe that's how, you know, Nebraska, it's, it's changed a lot since their heyday but you're familiar with that because you've been out here to lincoln you've taken these these sort of recruiting visits when when you hear carl that the nebraska job is open independent of what you've seen the last few years and their lack of success is this still to you as someone who's been around football and have been around college football as long as you have is this still a big job does it still have like a cachet to it or is it is it fading a little bit well, it's faded some, and it has to because it's been a really long time since Nebraska has been a powerhouse. We're talking mid to late 90s, you know, when it was the most relevant program in the country. But I do think that 
Nebraska can still win big if they hire the right guy and, and kind of go back to their roots a little bit. And I'm not just talking necessarily triple option football, but run, run heavy, big lineman, big defense, recruiting more for the region of the country that you're in and the players that you can get as opposed to what I think a lot of colleges have made the mistake of doing the last decade is trying to go um, wholesale into the passing RPO, you know, thing that everybody's trying to do because it's really tough to recruit to that. And so you have to think every time you're looking at a job or anytime you're looking at a program, you have to first think with recruiting in mind because the kind of kids that you can recruit is going to determine how good of a program you can be. And Nebraska's recruiting area just locally. I mean, you're, you're talking, it's been a good run in the state, but you're still probably talking a cap of at most eight to 10 guys that could be power five players. And that's in a really, really good year, more than likely somewhere from three to five. And so that's in state surrounding areas, Iowa, Kansas, uh, the Dakotas, Colorado aren't areas where you're going to go load up. Missouri's a really good state, but Missouri is pretty heavily recruited right now. So, I mean, do you do you think Nebraska's next coach has to have the ability, uh, you know, in addition to, to going outside the region, but they, they have to be able to, to win over the coaches in the Midwest at this point in time? I don't think – I think one of the most – oh, I talk about this a lot. I think one of the most overrated things in recruiting – is winning over the high school coaches. You shouldn't care about the high school coach. All right. Because the, the high school coach, in a lot of cases, some of, some of the guys will try to hold you hostage in recruiting and they want to be um they 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 want to be stroked a little bit and all of that. The high school coach very rarely has any impact on what school the kid ends up going to. There's maybe five to ten percent of high school coaches in the entire country that have enough cachet to, to influence a kid's decision, you know, when he's making a school. I think more colleges waste more time on dealing with high school coaches in recruiting. Um, and I, I think it hurts them. I see it kill guys every year. You're meeting with the high school coach, you whining and dining them, you putting on these clinics for them. And then the kid ends up committing somewhere else. You haven't spent any time with the kid. You haven't spent enough time with the parent. Like the high school coach is typically in recruiting going to be one of the biggest wasted times that you can invest on. And, and that's unpopular. And I've been a high school coach. I've been a championship level high school coach. That's uh, guys get upset when I say that. But if you're really looking at it just for exactly what it is, um, that's the truth. There, there, there might be three to five high school coaches in every state that you need to know really, really well that produce a lot of players and maybe they have some influence, and, you know, but in terms of having to sit down and kowtow to every high school coach in the state on a region, there's not a bigger way to waste your time as a college coach, in my opinion. So then in, in, in that sort of theory, anybody who Nebraska hires should at least have the ability to recruit the Midwest, whether they have the prior relationships or not. Yeah, well, great recruiters can recruit anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at, at Lance Leipold, what the job he's doing in Kansas now, and obviously he was at Wisconsin Whitewater, but he didn't know anybody in Buffalo, New York, when he was at the University of Buffalo, and he went up there and recruited just fine. 
Recruiting is about honesty, integrity, um, talent identification, the ability to make sure that the players can fit your system. High school players will always want a football scholarship. So I think that being from a place, I think that's a, that's a, you don't have to be from a place. Urban Meyer wasn't from Utah, but he went up to the University of Utah and won. He's from Ohio. Then he went to the University of Florida and he won big at the University of Florida. Like he wasn't from those places. He had no mm -hmm. prior history of being at those places. He was an Ohio guy, Midwestern guy, coached at Notre Dame, coached Bowling Green, Cincinnati, that area. But he went to Utah and he killed it on the West Coast. He went to Florida and he killed it on the Southeast. So I think special guys are going to be special no matter what where you drop them at. How much of it – so this is one of the big things that, that I've been trying to decipher, you know, talking with guys in our network like Alan True and Steve Wolfbong and others. How much do you as a, as a former high school coach, now as an analyst, how much do you think it matters if a head coach isn't necessarily one of the best recruiters? I mean, it, because they have so much other things going on. Isn't that partly why you assemble a staff of, of guys that are really good recruiters? I mean, a head coach has to be involved, but he probably doesn't have to be the biggest workhorse on a staff either. I think that the head coach has to be the most significant recruiter on the staff. Ooh, all right. I, I don't think that he needs to be a great X and O coach. You can hire guys that are coordinators that can do that. But when it comes to recruiting, you have to be excellent because – you're going to be the biggest constant there because your co assistant coaches are going to come and they're going to go. Your coordinators are going to get other jobs. Your position coaches are going to move. So when it comes to recruiting, which is the lifeblood of the program, your head coach cannot slack on recruiting. That ha He has to be able to, when it comes to a recruiting standpoint, take the lion's share because as a parent, as a player, the head coach is going to be ultimately who you play for. The position coaches are going to change all of the time, but you're hoping that the head coaches are constant. And so you don't want to be in a situation where you lose a coordinator, or lose a position coach, and then you don't know what the hell is going on from a recruiting standpoint. When, when you were a high school coach and you go on these sort of recruiting trips, I mean, did you, how, how genuine do you feel like most head coaches are when you're you're out there? I mean, did you feel like a lot of it's an act? Do you feel like a lot of it's sincere? Is it 50-50? Is it 75-25? I mean, just because you're you're dealing with a lot of people, and usually you can kind of tell when you feel like you're getting someone's interest, uh, or if you're just getting someone who's just kind of trying to slide you along. I mean, do do you, you get a good sense of that when you were a high school coach? If the player ends up grand playing great. The love is real. If the player ends up not being a good player, then it's all lies. You know, so it's going to come down to how good was the player. If, if, your, if your player went to a school and he becomes a very good player, then all of that family talk, all of that 40-year decision over four-year decision, all of that stuff is going to matter. But if the kid doesn't end up panning out and he turns out to be a guy that doesn't contribute, um, you're going to probably be at odds because they're not going to deliver on most of the promises that they made. That's 90% of the coaches in the country. So it's just as simple as they go there and they play well, everything works. They go there and they don't play that well, everything's a question. And there you go. Everything's <laughs> it's just about and, – and 
you have to be careful to not get emotionally spent in that. If if you if the kid is a stud, every time you call, they're gonna pick up the phone, right? But if the kid ain't a stud, you might you might call and they might have your number blocked. You know, it's just it's just that kind of business. And it's so much pressure to win, to be honest with you. Um, in some cases, it has to be like that. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast what do you remember about nebraska when you were when you were out there for various you know whether it's junior days or unofficial visits or or what have you i mean what do you remember of that place and and is it in, in what ways, I mean, if you can even get this deep with it, like, do you think there's changes or anything needed as it goes about recruiting, that kind of thing? It's a fan base that wants to win badly. And that when you think about the fact that Nebraska still sells games out every game without having any on-the-field success, that says a lot to me in itself. And I think that Nebraska fans are just starved for a winner. You know, everybody wants to be like the Tom Osborne days rolled. That's tough to do because some circumstances have changed and it's not the same uh, landscape of college football that it was then. So I don't know if you can do that, but you can be very good. They can compete for Big Ten titles, which would put you in the mix for national titles if you get the right guy. Do you, as we kind of we kind of talk recruiting here before we dive into to some of the names that would interest you and and everything else, as you look at at Nebraska's attempts into St. Louis when Nebraska was attempting to recruit your players, I mean, how does that school have any kind of name value left in the St. Louis area? I mean, it's 
Trey Bryant is like the last guy prior to Marcus Washington that I could think of that they they picked up in terms of a commitment uh, and had actually played a little bit on the field. Unfortunately, Trey had some knee injuries and that sort of cost him his career. But it just feels like an area where Nebraska has had a lot of success in the past. They just, no matter the coaching staff, Polini's, Riley's, or Scott Frost, they just weren't able to build anything in the St. Louis area. It's tough because so many people are recruiting in St. Louis now, right? Probably 15, 20 years ago, you had the Big 12. You 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 know, once Mizzou went to the SEC, it kind of changed the recruiting landscape here because everybody in the SEC started recruiting it. Man, you got Ohio State recruited. If you're a big-time player in St. Louis, I just think you have so many options that I don't think it's anything that the University of Nebraska did or didn't do. I just think that it's hard as hell to to get a kid that Urban Meyer wanted or that Nick Saban or that Dabo Sweeney wanted him. And if those guys at those Blue Bloods really want the kid, I think it becomes extremely difficult for not just Nebraska, but for the, for anybody to sign the guy. Yeah. You wrote something uh, regarding Deion Sanders, who I don't think is a real candidate for Nebraska, but I, I think it's interesting just in the general sense. You, you wrote about how both with Georgia Tech and Jackson State, Georgia Tech being the most recent job to open and Jackson State where Deion's at right now, about their commitment to football and their their interest in in being an actual football school, and that would speak volumes to Dion himself. Leaving Dion out of it, the fact that Nebraska is very much committed to being a football school, has the resources, has a new facility coming, is, is that like an attractive trait to potential coaching candidates? Because you know that you're going to have that sort of support behind you that you maybe won't find at other Power 5 schools that might have a little bit more of a re- recruiting base that's built right into it, but they don't necessarily have the support. I mean, you were talking about the fans earlier. Is that is that like the attractive part of Nebraska's job? It's one of them. It's also you have an administration that wants to be good. You have you have the legendary Tom Osborne is still alive and he wants Nebraska to be good. Warren Buffett wants the Nebraska Cornhuskers to be good. There's nothing that you could need as a coach at the University of Nebraska that you couldn't get if you asked for it. Now, there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure for you to win and win big. So, But like the great Vince Lombardi said, the most competitive games will draw the most competitive men. And so you need to decide if you want to be a guy that's held accountable for winning championships because that's what the standard is at Nebraska. And you have to be willing to embrace that. So I think for the money they can pay a coach, I think for the money that they could pay a staff, all of the amenities in terms of uh, in terms of facilities and, and, and weight rooms and all of those things, I think the NIL participation, I think Nebraska's positioned very well to compete, but it all comes down to do you hire the right guy. The, the coach that you hire, is going to determine the trajectory of your program for the next decade because it's hard to recover from a bad coach, right? And it's really hard to lose when you got a damn good one. Yeah. So with all that being said, this job's now been open since September uh, September 11th, I believe. Who who kind of stands out to you? If, if you were Trev Alberts, 
who would sort of be on your short list based on just kind of what you know of of the college football landscape and the coaching landscape in general? I would make Glass Leipold tell me no. I think that he's arguably one of the top college football coaches in the country. Um, I, obviously, if you follow football at a deep level, which most people don't, you know about his success um, in, in winning six to seven Division three national championships. You know, you go to a place like the University of Buffalo and win the MAC, and obviously he has the University of Kansas undefeated, which is unbelievable in itself. And he's a guy that has Midwestern ties, Midwestern values, and he's an excellent, excellent football coach. I make him tell me no. I also um, I call Matt Campbell, who's another guy that I think is an incredible leader, a visionary, a leader of men, and what he's been able to do at Iowa State and making that program relevant is kind of remarkable. And I also look heavily at Jeff Monken, the Army coach, who is a great triple option coach, which is Nebraska's roots for when they were very good at being an option powerhouse team. Monken is from the state of Illinois. He's another Midwestern guy that knows how to recruit the area. In addition to those three guys schematically, though, and having schemes that would fit, they are all great leaders of men. They would be able to hire the right staff. They would be able to recruit the right guys and develop them to be able to have success at the University of Nebraska. And that's where I would start my search if it was me. Yeah, absolutely. And so the interesting thing with, with Lance Leipold, and I was talking to Alan True about this, he changed sort of his recruiting identity because they, you know, you, you mentioned up in Buffalo, it's not like he had connections up there. I mean, they went up there, he had to build them, he had to hire guys, but they were still recruiting in the hundreds, sometimes, I mean, as low as in the 130s. Uh, just based on the type of kid that they could get to to go to Buffalo. That's changed a little bit in Kansas. He's got them uh, at a much better level than where they had been at previously. Do you, do you think that regardless of who ends up as Nebraska's coach, that they have a setup and a program where they should almost universally be a top 40 recruiting team every year? I don't know that they should be a top four. I think you had to find the guys who fit your system. They weren't top 40 teams when Tom Osborne was there in terms of recruiting. They weren't setting the world on fire with the guys they were recruiting. They were still getting parade All-Americans and and guys of that nature. They got a they got a handful, but it wasn't it wasn't like what Alabama and Georgia is doing. You know, they had a great walk-on program. They got incredible linemen from from some small towns and within the state. You know, they built it. I I think that one of the things about recruiting rankings that people always have to be be careful of is sometimes you need to just get a good football player that fits what you're trying to do regardless of where he could be ranked. You shouldn't be trying to catch other schools in recruiting rankings. You need to be trying to catch schools on the football field on Saturday afternoons. Yeah, that's a salient point for sure. All right, so – it. the last kind of question I have, and this sort of pertains to Nebraska's season at hand, they're one and three right now. You still have eight games left. Does this job look dramatically different to a coaching candidate if Nebraska is four and eight versus one and 11 versus six and six? Does the result of this season matter at all as they go forward to try to hire this next coach? No, I don't think so, because whoever comes in is going to flip the roster anyway. 
I, I think that the, the players need to be more concerned about how well they play and the focus they have the rest of the season because if you just lay down and don't contribute at all and you start doing the me-me thing, whoever comes in next is going to run you out of town anyway. So the players are playing for their life because they all won't be able to just leave and go to another Division One school the way they think. So they need to be trying to play well, put good film on tape, and have a lot of success for themselves. All right, Carl, we appreciate uh, your time today joining us here at the Husker 24-7 podcast. We'll have you on maybe a little bit closer to when a decision could be coming in November. If you if you had to make a guess right now here, September 26, 128 p.m. on a Monday, who's your guy? Who's Nebraska's coach on January 1, 2023? Is it Lance Leipold? Last light pole. I would, I would, I would bet. I put my heads, my bets on last light pole. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Everybody listening here at Husker 24 seven podcast. Be sure to check out Husker 24 com. Plenty of coverage leading up to the Indiana game on Saturday. We'll still have a couple more podcasts coming this week as well. Nebraska is going to have official visitors for the first time this year, this weekend coming up. So we'll have a visit list a little bit later this week, dive into all of those players too. So be sure to check out Husker 24 seven got deals going on right now. If you are not a VIP member, this is a time to dive in. We'll have plenty on the coaching search as well. Carl, once again, appreciate your time. And uh, I'm Mike Schaefer. We'll be back with more Husker 24 seven content later this week. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.